I want to invite everyone else to stand for the reading of God's word found in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus speaks these words to his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, we believe every word that I have just read, every word that's covered from Genesis to Revelation. And we thank you for this time to be in your word. We thank you that you, Holy Spirit, have that power and the only power that can transform us to believe that this is true. So help us to see again anew that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In whose name we pray, amen. The longtime pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church, where Colin is soon to begin his work. In commenting on this passage, James Montgomery Boyce asked this question. What is a Christian to do when the world he knows falls in? What is a Christian to do when the world he knows falls in? The world we know and have known is falling in. When the world falls in, whether it's because of health or broken relationships, Our decisions by a court or a government or a child's rebellion or a loved one's depression or shattered dreams and disappointments. When the world falls in, our hearts are troubled. And Jesus is speaking to men whose hearts are deeply troubled. But why are they troubled? The verses that come before John 14, 1, when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, reveal why they're troubled. Jesus has told them he's leaving. They don't understand. Jesus has told them that he's going to be handed over to those who are going to kill him. They don't understand. Jesus has told them That he would die. And as he breaks bread with them, he tells them that one of them will betray him. And then Jesus speaks to the one who seems to be the leader of the group, Peter, and tells Peter that he himself will deny that he even knows Jesus. They're troubled. They have cause to be troubled. 
These words are troubling words. They don't understand. There's a lack of clarity. Their dreams and visions for what their life would be like with Christ on earth, they don't seem to be coming true, at least not the way they had planned it. But perhaps worse than that, they have seen Jesus. He's God. They have seen Jesus now himself troubled. In chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And then just after Jesus speaks of the one who will betray him in chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus says, after saying these things, John tells us Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And he testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. They saw Jesus troubled. His heart was troubled. To have a troubled heart is not a sin. To be troubled by the things that you see and you think about and you feel is not a sin. And the reason is because we live in a broken and troubled world. And this broken and troubled world is not going to be fixed until Jesus returns. However, in the midst of this broken and troubled world... God is redeeming that which is broken. That act of redemption is happening now. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going to redeem their creation. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are redeeming their people. They're making people more and more like Jesus. If you are a Christian, you've been justified, you're being sanctified. You still must come and confess your sins like we did today, but you're being made more and more like Jesus because he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. But this side of heaven, you will have a troubled heart. Having a troubled heart is not the issue. It's how you live with that troubled heart and what you do with a troubled heart. That's when we move towards sin. When suddenly we're overwhelmed by the things of the world, by the decisions that impact us, and we lose faith or we live in in terrifying fear, that can easily become a lack of trust. You see, we have cause to be troubled. But we have, as Christians, more cause not to be troubled. That's important, my friends. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not rebuking them for having troubled hearts. What Jesus is saying is, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he tells them how. Do you see it? Look with me, the first verse. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. It really means trust in God. Trust also in me. Who is Jesus? He's God. He is saying, trust me. Trust in God the Father. Trust in the one that I have shown you, what he is like. Trust in me, who is his son. I and the Father are one. Trust in me. But then Jesus does something really interesting. He points to a future home. Do you see that? Jesus offering hope to his disciples says, believe in God, believe also in me. And then he looks to the future. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 
And you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. And then he tells them this picture about his father's house. I want to unpack it for a minute. Listen to what he says. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? It's personal. Do you think of heaven that way? Do you think of heaven as a place where he has gone to prepare a place for you, one who is trusted in Christ, this perfect house, nothing wrong, no blemish, no need for even hope, because hope won't be needed. This is amazing. To give them hope and encouragement for their troubled heart, he says, believe in God, believe also in me, and believe in what I'm going to do to prepare a place for you. Now, this is why I think it's so significant. This home that he speaks of, this house that he speaks of, is what every Christian is longing for. We're homesick. We long for a day when we won't live in a troubled world. We long for a day where we won't experience troubling things. One of the things that blesses my life as I look at this text is that he quickly goes to a metaphor that I can understand, a house. And I think this is significant because so often it's our troubled houses that give us troubled hearts. There's trouble in the White House. There's trouble in our courthouses. People are making decisions that blind people and foolish people would make. If you think this is new, just begin to read Jeremiah. Read how often the people of God would say in one moment that he has fulfilled every promise he's ever made. And then out of fear, out of their own troubled hearts, they would make a God out of wood that they had to carry, that couldn't speak. How often they would pollute and prostitute themselves to idols. It's not new, my friends. It's not new. Troubled houses bring troubled hearts. But we don't have to look to a house that hosts a politician or judges or even ministers who are preaching a false gospel or are committing acts of sin against people or a church, a house of worship that's filled with people that don't love one another and don't love God. We can look at our own house and see the brokenness, can't we? The broken relationships between man and wife, the broken relationships between children and parents, the broken relationships between siblings, and even in homes where the relationships are very good, There's the troubled heart of a dying spouse or a child that's just hurting emotionally 
are the deep, deep, painful wound of betrayal and loss. Troubled hearts as you rest a bit in summer, mothers, but you already are receiving the onslaught of back-to-school emails. Why can't we just wait? Because troubled hearts are anxious hearts. Anxious hearts cause people to close their eyes and to close their ears, and their mind begins to go crazy. One of our elders who serves in a very big country teaches me that each time he's back in town. Jesus understands what it means to have a troubled heart. Jesus understands because he himself had a troubled heart that he is the answer for the troubled heart. He speaks of a house where there will be no more trouble, a place where every Christian will be, and whom he has gone to prepare a room for you if you're in Christ. You can look forward to that. You should look forward to that. But as he finishes just briefly describing this hope and believing in God, believing in him, and then trusting him in this house that the Father has for us, that he's going to prepare a room, he says you know the way. And I love Thomas, don't you? His heart's troubled, but he's bold enough to speak out, and he says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, what an answer. Listen to me, please. Jesus said these words. I'm reading them, and I believe them. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you believe that's true, I believe that you will experience real persecution. I believe because our church believes what Jesus said, that we will receive persecution. There will be a time in the future, and it's probably coming fast, when it will cost you to be a member of this church or any church where a man stands up and says, he is the only way, he is the only truth, he is the only life. Speaking of ultimate truth and spiritual life and the one way of salvation, if you say you believe it's true, people are going to hate you for that. It might not come in a way that's bloody, but it might come in a way where you lose a client or you lose respect of a friend or they just simply distance themselves from you because they don't want to lose a client. They don't want to lose a friend. They don't want to be associated with that group of people who much of the world looks at as radical. But the truth is, these are the words of Jesus Christ. 
These are his words. They're translated very clear. And when we believe in those words, we're not just listening to a man. We're not just listening to someone's opinion. We're not just listening to someone who says they've progressed and our country has progressed and the world has progressed. So why believe in archaic things? We're not just listening to a man or an opinion. We're listening to the man. We're listening to God. And God is the one who said, I am the way. Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You know the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you believe in Jesus, you do know the way. He knows you. And he's going to prepare a place for you. He's there. Reigning as king. Living to intercede on our behalf. He knows everything about you. He's the man. Not just a man. He is the man. And he is the man that obeyed his father so that this house could be created. So that this house and his creation and all of his people in Christ could be redeemed. But the cost of that house being built, that eternal place, that cost was this man, the carpenter, the carpenter's son, going to a place called Golgotha, where nails were hammered through his hands and feet against timber. And he was dropped in the ground and hung on that cross to die. Facing it, his heart was troubled to the point of Jesus himself sweating blood. On the cross... His troubled heart cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And those who had just had that meal with him had scattered. There was never a darker day on earth. There was never a time when mankind done worse than that. But there in that place, as Jesus' body died, he said, it is finished. His body was taken down, he was placed in a tomb, and three days later, his body was gone. The carpenter, the man, he conquered death. That you and I, who believe in what he said, that he is the way, would not need to experience eternal death, but could indeed have the life and the truth that he promised. The world doesn't like it that Jesus said he's the only way. The world will hate you and me for believing that. But that's okay. It's going to make your heart troubled. But there is an answer for troubled hearts. And the answer is Jesus. He's the way. Do you know him? Do you know the way? If you do, my friend, you're safe. 
you're secure. No matter how troubling your house gets or the houses that are all around us, you're safe. If you don't know him, you're not. May these words that you've heard today, preached, prayed, and sung, be used by the powerful Holy Spirit to draw you into seeing that, my friend, he is who he says he is. Our Lord and Savior Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And until we see him face to face, let us ponder and wonder and glory in the reality of who he says he is. Lord Jesus Christ, we needed this word today as the disciples needed that word from you. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, and we ask that you would be honored by drawing us closer to you even now, even bringing those to salvation. If there are any here, Lord, who do not trust in you at this moment, bring them to saving faith, even as we sing, that they would confess that they need you, that they would confess that they believe in you, that you are the only one who can save them from their sins for all eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.